a series that, that we're doing called Blueprint. Would you say that with me? Would you say those words? Blueprint. And uh, it's actually based on um, the, the book of Ephesians. So this is a study on the book that Paul wrote, Ephesians. This is week three. Uh, if you have your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. And uh, what we've said the last couple of weeks is that uh, in case you, maybe you're stepping in for the first time or you're just, you know, tuning us in for the first time online. Um, basically, the book of Ephesians, in a nutshell, the essence of it is God telling us how to make the most of what he's given you. Okay, so there are certain things that you have, spiritual gifts, uh, certain blessings that he's given you. And the book of Ephesians tells you in very specific ways how to make the most of what God has given you. So, uh, real quick recap, chapter 1, we looked at that the last two weeks, basically starts by teaching us who we are in Christ. God labels us, okay? He, um, he looks at you, if you're a Jesus follower, he looks at me, and he gives you, he defines you. That's how he starts the book, right off the bat. He, um, he, he puts, puts a label on you, and the designation that God gives you is that of a, does anybody know? Does anybody remember? A saint. Whether you consider yourself a saint or not, God calls you, from what uh, the book of Ephesians says, he calls you and I saints if you are a Jesus follower. Now, the idea of a saint is not, is not somebody who lived nearly a perfect life, and somehow when they died, they're given some sort of special recognition, some sort of special designation in death, okay? That's not at all uh, what the Bible, the way the Bible defines a saint. God defines a saint, and if you were here, remember I used to, I, I pulled somebody from the audience, and I had them, I removed them from the crowd, and I had them sit right here. And I said the definition of saint, biblically speaking, is God setting you apart. It's nothing, it has nothing to do with, with what you do. It's not a works thing that like a performance thing is God saying, oh, you receive my gift, I'm going to set you aside. I'm going to set you apart. And um, like one of the examples that I can give you, uh, when I'm trying to eat healthy, and I haven't done that in a while, but when I'm trying to eat healthy, uh, you know, I have like my mashed potatoes and maybe my asparagus and chicken or steak or whatever. Um, what I'll usually do is I'll separate the stuff that's on my plate because like food is very important to me. And I'll eat the stuff that I don't like first, so the asparagus will go down first, okay? With a lot of water, you know? And then I'll go to the mashed potatoes, and then maybe I'll save the steak till the end. But you, you will see it. Pay attention. Next time we, we do lunch together, uh, you'll see that the last thing that I'll eat, okay, is the thing that I love the most. And I'll set it apart, and it's like, my, like this is my little treat to myself, okay? And it's, it's kind of like that. When God, when you give your life to Christ, God says, I'm going to set you apart for special purpose. I want to use you. And so that's sort of the idea of what God's telling us in chapter 1. And so we learn that the this is one of the biggest differences between religions out there, or religion, you know, and relationship. So what we have is a, re is a relationship, okay? Like, I'm not selling you a denomination, Okay, some other religions may. I'm not, I don't think that Jesus came to this earth to say, I want you to be a Baptist. I want you to be a, you know, you fill in the blank. 
I think he came and he says, I want you to be a Jesus follower. Follow my ways. And so in most religions, you do in order to become. In Christianity, what you do is actually born out of who you are. And so the beginning of Ephesians, God says, this is who you are in Christ. Chapter 2, that's where we uh, pick up today. And chapter 2, in a nutshell, it's the story, if you've given your life to Christ, it's your, your spiritual journey, okay? So it's the Easter story, but made personal. That's what chapter 2 is all about. So let's get into it. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. It says this, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. Now, most of us, when we think of the end of our lives, that's when we think about death, right? Like, that's the end of our lives here on planet Earth. You know, you, we all end up dying, right? But what Ephesians is saying, what God is telling us is that, in this first verse, is that spiritually speaking, we actually begin dead. Now, what, 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 do, you mean, what do you mean by that? You know, like, what, what's God saying? Like, let's just say that I come to you, or I come to anybody, like, you know, man, female, what, it doesn't matter, um, maybe a middle-aged man or a middle-aged woman, and I say, I say to them, you're dead. They probably look at me and it's like, you're crazy. You know, if I look at somebody that, man, they're doing well in their career, maybe they exercise a couple of times a week, they have two, three kids, they hang out with them on the weekends, they have a good spouse, and I look at them and I say, you're dead. You're like, no, I'm not dead. I'm more, than, more alive than ever. Look at my career. Look at my life. Look at, you know, so what's, what's God talking about? Well, he's talking about the inside the inside of us, spiritually speaking, he's saying, before you give your life to Christ, is, is um, the, the inside is dead. It's kind of like only able, when you're, imagine that you could only see in black and white. Imagine that you could only see two colors, okay? Black or white. Maybe at times some shades of gray, okay? Being spiritually dead is like that. Knowing that you live in a, in, a, in, a, in a world where there's full color, but you can only see two colors, okay? And so God is saying, you are, what you're experiencing, if you could see properly, if you could see properly, you would think it's beautiful, okay? There are videos of people that have not, they've been born deaf, and they have not been able to hear anything, and because of technology, they've implanted some sort of, things on their ear and all of a sudden they can hear for the first time I, like i've seen videos of babies like toddlers that that can hear for the first time and you see their eyes light up and you see them it's like a whole new world and so if so being spiritually dead is like that and so god says you were dead in your and that uses this word transgressions right what, what's he talking about well <clears throat> look at this this picture on the screen this is what <clears throat> this is the picture that I want you to have uh, when, we, when you think of that word transgressions. Uh, this is um, a train a few weeks ago, June 27th, up north, hit a truck and it derailed, killed four people, 50 people were, were injured, okay? The word transgression means that, that you're going to, um, you're, you're, it's failure to stay on track. It's failure to hold on to the path, 
okay? It's like when you wander away from the path. We've all, we've all missed the mark. We've all gotten off track, right? Like, we, we, we're familiar with that. Like, I, I know in my life, like, man, often I get off track, and I have to center myself, okay? So when he uses this word transgression, that's what I want you to, you, to, to think of. There are consequences to you getting, you know, uh, off track. It's basically when you say, you know what, I want to do my own thing. You may not say it out loud, but your behavior and your actions show it. I, I'm going to, you may not say it like this, I'm going to ignore God's way. But your actions and your behavior, you know what God's word says about, you know, you fill in the blank. Your finances, uh, purity, sexual purity, uh, you know, you, you fill in the blank, right? Like honoring him, honoring your parents. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ignore what God says, and I'm going to do my own thing. That is getting off track i'm gonna depend on myself have you ever said that you know there's a problem at work there's something going on with your family there's something that's going on with the kids and it's you know what i'm gonna be the soul the, the person that solves all the problems and there's a times in my life when i have to say okay god i surrender and so being spiritually dead means you're disconnected from god you're seen without color so that's verse one verse two and three describes what being spiritually dead is all about okay so verse one it says as for you you were dead in your transgressions and sins remember easter story made personal this is a, a journey of your spiritual life then look in verse two it says in which you used to live when you pay attention when you follow watch this the ways of this world we'll explain that in a minute and the rulers of the kingdom of the air. Okay, what's, you know, God, just, you just lost me. Follow the ruler of the kingdom of the air. Okay. The spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. Okay, I'm reading from the New, New International Version. Now, in fact, if you keep reading the verse, what God does is he tells you three things that actually lead you to a path of destruction. Uh, there are three things, and we're going to look at them this, today. Three things that he says, hey, you do this. You're going to end up self-destructing. You do this, you're going to end up in trouble. Okay? You may not notice it at first. You may get by a little bit. But in the end, it leads to death. And so the first one that he gives us is here in verse 2. And basically he says, one of the things that leads to a path of self-destruction, and sometimes it's hard to recognize, okay? But is this, when you follow the ways of this, did you pick up on it? So when you follow the ways of what? Of the world, of this world. And so what's, what do you mean by that, Pastor Alex? When you follow the general philosophy, the general direction of the world, the world has a certain way of doing things. Now, I'm going to explain to you this in a kind of in a fun way, okay? I want you to, I'm going to put some sentences up on the screen about some things that God... Uh, ways he think about things in the world right and i'm going to show you how the world actually thinks differently okay but you guess you fill in the blank okay so you guess some of these sentences so god says it's better to give than to do you know it than to receive okay that is completely the opposite of what the world says the world usually te teaches you be hungry for more give me more 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 you know i've never seen an ad on TV, social media, I've never seen an advertisement telling me to be satisfied with what, what I have. Have you? 
It's, it's, uh, it, and maybe, maybe somebody should attempt this, you know, reverse psychology. Maybe this would work. But I've never seen an ad saying, oh, you need to get this. You don't need this car, you know. Don't buy this car. The one you have is perfectly fine, right? It's usually the opposite. It's usually, you know, the world wants you to want more and more. God says, nope, it's better to give than to receive. Here's another one. It's better to, let's, let's see if we can guess it. It's better to serve than to be served. Well, it, you know the world doesn't believe this. I mean, Jesus, he comes down to this earth and he says, I have come, I came to planet earth to serve, not to be served. People wanted to, to serve him and they wanted to do things for him and they, they wanted to make him king. And Jesus is like, no, 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 no. Let me tell you a little bit about my ways. They're a little bit different than the ways of the world. I came to give. I came to serve. Shameless plug. Next week, next Sunday, it's our Share the Love kickoff, okay? I want to encourage you. If you have not signed up, you have not signed up, here's what I'm asking you, okay? At least pick one initiative where we can just love on this community. Just pick one. I know we're all busy. I know it's in the middle of the summer. I know it's, it's crazy. But I, I hope that our church, the vast majority of you, would say, you know what? I will do one thing the last week in July, one thing to serve the community, one thing that it's, that's not for me, that's just for, for the community, okay? If you're out, if it's vacation, maybe what you can do is you can support it financially, okay? So that's my little plug. How do you, how do you sign up? Go to lifepointfc.com. Super simple. At the top, you'll, you'll see a way. There's tons of opportunities. Um, okay, a couple more. So Jesus says, my whole purpose is to serve, right? You want to pattern your life after Jesus? Take on this attitude, okay? Doesn't any, does not get any closer to his heart, okay? The world, in the business world, wherever you go, it's all about me. It's how, how do I climb the corporate ladder? How do I get ahead, okay? But I want you to experience this and see how people react. Well, you serve, no strings attached. And you'll see in, your, in, your, in the workplace, People will notice. People are going to start asking questions if you do it for a, a long period of time. All right, here's another one, okay? Two more. Jesus says, the first will be last and the last will be? You guys know it. The first will be last and the last will be? First. There you go. Jesus says, blessed are the, I think I don't have this one on the screen. Blessed are the peacemakers. So he uh, in, uh, I think it's in Matthew 5, he says, you've heard it said, love your friends, love those who love you, love your neighbor, hate your enemy. But I'm telling you, my way is different. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So he raises the bar. And so the Christian life, here, let me give you a, a picture of what, what I'm, we're talking about. The, the Christian life is like going up an escalator that's going down. Uh, have, you ever, have you ever done that? Like when you were a kid, you know, the escalator is coming down. Like I remember when I was a kid, 10, 12, 13 years old, and I was at the mall in, in South America, and they had these huge escalators, huge, huge escalators. And I would love to get on the escalator that was actually going down, and I would try to, be, try to raise it to the top to see if I, could, if I could get to the top, okay? That's the Christian life. The moment that you stop pursuing God, the moment in this world that you, that you stop walking, that's the, mo the moment that you're going to find yourself going in the opposite, in the wrong direction. So what is the fix? How do I not follow the ways of 
the world. Here's the fix. If you want to take notes, you can write this down. It's not on the screen. You've got to have the strength and determination of salmon. Have you ever seen salmon swimming upstream? Have you ever, like, like Leah and I, we took a trip to Alaska a few years ago, and it was incredible. I mean, we couldn't believe it. I think there's a little clip, if you guys can show it. Uh, what, watch this. You guys keep on the lights, and can, we, can you give it some sound real quick? Yeah, there you go. So salmon, this is, of all the migration in the animal kingdom, this is one of the most extreme, okay? They will, they will, they somehow intuitively, they know that they have to lay their eggs in the same exact place where they were born. Why? Because that's where the most nutrition is. The most nutritious place is the place where uh, they're born. And so they will travel thousands of miles from the ocean all the way up the river, sometimes jump in waterfalls 10, 12 feet up the waterfall to get to the place where they're going to lay eggs. It is a, it's an impressive show of strength and determination. So that's you and me. If you're a Jesus follower... If you live in this world, you will, at times, you will feel like you're going against the grain. You will feel like, man, that rush of water is coming against me. Like, everything is coming against me in in one direction or another. And if you want to make it, and you don't want to follow the ways of the world, what God tells you to do is to have the strength and determination like the salmon has. The Bible says, Deuteronomy 31, 6, says this so be strong and courageous don't be afraid and do not panic before them the them is is a picture of the world for the lord your god will personally go ahead of you he will neither fail you nor abandon you and so the world is like like the water that's just rushing in one direction and you are like that salmon you know the ways of the world are completely different than the ways of a Christian. So the first thing that leads down to a path of destruction is when we follow, when you just go, you just flow, you know. Everybody is, is greedy, you're going to be greedy. Everybody's selfish, you're going to be selfish. Man, everybody's doing this and they're behaving a certain way, you're just going to go with the flow. Well, that's a sure way for you to self-destruct your, your life. Here's the second one, two more and we're done. When you give in to the temptations of the enemy. When you give in to the temptations of the enemy. So Jesus says in John four, um, 8, 44, he says when the enemy speaks, he actually speaks in his, and his, this is what he says, he speaks in his native tongue. That's, and, I, and I thought it was interesting, his native language. Because, and then he's, he goes on to say because he's the father of all lies. And, and I thought about like your native tongue, your native language, like, and I don't know what it is, but there's something special about speaking uh, in your own language, like your native tongue, right? Like I was born in South America, and um, so Spanish is my first language. And even though I've lived in the United States for 28 years, it is still, there's something natural for me when I speak in Spanish. There's, I can't tell you what it is. I can't pinpoint it because at some point I felt like I was learning English. I was forgetting Spanish, and I didn't know either. You know, I was like, man, I'm not good at either language, you know, and I'm struggling. But when I'm with my family, and, like, when I'm talking to my parents, like, today, I walk into the closet, and I begin to talk to Leah in Spanish, you know? And she looks at me, and it's like, what? <laughs> and I'm talking to her in Spanish. And I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. I was just talking to my parents. 
So there's just something with your native tongue, with your na- it's just natural. And I think what Jesus was saying here, it's, a, it's natural for Satan to lie. That's just the nat- it's just what comes easy. It's just effortless for him. He doesn't have to think about it. So here's what he'll say. He'll say, if you do this, you do this, you're going to be happy. Now, what he doesn't say is, by the way, it's going to destroy the rest of your relationships. He, he doesn't say, like he'll, 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 um, he'll say, if you do this, you're going to be happy. But what he doesn't say is, you're only going to be happy for like five minutes. It's just going to be a one weekend. It's just going to be one night. And then it's going to ruin the, your, the rest of your life. It's going to ruin your relationships. It's going to ruin everything. So he gives you just enough truth. Yeah, it's going to be fun. But he just doesn't tell you what comes after that. And so the Bible says that, that when we buy into the lies of the enemy, there is always a consequence. And the, it says that the end is always death. In the Bible, the word death means separation. Okay? So, so in Proverbs, it says, for, uh, Proverbs 14, 12, it says, There is a way... Help me, help me read the underlying word, okay? There's a way that, let's say it together, that appears, there's a way that appears to be right. But it says, in the end, it leads to death. So when Satan comes to Adam and Eve, he's like, hey, you want your eyes to be opened? You want, you want to be as wise as God? Half truth, okay? Their eyes were opened when they took of the fruit. But it was, it was more than they, they wanted, okay? It was open to, to death and sin and chaos. And so Satan, the enemy, will tempt you, and he will lie to you, and you have to learn to discern what, man, is this him? Is this the world? Is this what's going on? So what's the fix? What's the fix? How do we not give in to the temptations of the enemy? Well, you got to know God's word, and that's why you're here. And I applaud you for being here. I applaud you for, for tuning in and listening and watching the message. You've got to know, you got to learn God's word. This is why we're, we're digging into the book of Ephesians. Let me give you a verse, 2 Timothy 2.15. I'm giving it to you from the King James, for, um, King James Version, the old, old King James Version, okay? It's like, I think it was translated 1611, all right? But I like this, the way it's worded, okay? Here's what... Second Kings, Second uh, Timothy two fifteen says says study, and I like that word, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth. Uh, you know, like I like that. I haven't used the King James in a, in a long time. A workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly. Well, pay attention to this. Rightly dividing the word of truth. What God is saying is like you've got to get into the word. It's not up to me to get to. Speak spoon feed you every week you've got to do this on your own and i'm sorry i'm stepping on some toes but a lot of times people will complain and they'll say to the preacher i'm not being fed and you know what it is is laziness on their part because we have zero excuse and like we live in a day and age where knowledge you can get knowledge in so many different ways and so if you want to be fed you get up at six in the morning and get along with God every day and have the discipline to study God's word and learn because you have the spirit of God if you're a Jesus follower just like I have the spirit of God 
And so my job is to, to encourage you, to prompt you, to get you going. I want to be your cheerleader. I want to pray for you. I want to love you. But at the end of the day, this is on you. And I tell my kids this all the time. I say, look, when you were a baby, I protected you and I loved you. But at some time, this whole, this whole Christianity thing, like if you want to be a Jesus follower, it's your call. And if you don't want to go to church, if you, don't want, if you want to reject Christ, if you want to do your own thing, you will have to learn on your own, and you'll have to walk your, your life. But at some point, I have to do, I love what Pastor Nicholas said earlier in Volunteer Rally, we do our best as pastors, but at the end of the day, it's on you. It's on me to learn God's word. And so how, how what's the fix? How do I know, give in to the temptations of the enemy? Well, I, I, I'm disciplined, and I get into God's word. You can't always just blame the world and Satan. The, the devil made me do it, right? Can't always be the devil, you know? Can't always be the world. In fact, true story. There were some guys, there were some guys who decided, they said, you know what? The world, hundreds of years ago, they said the world is the problem. And they said the, 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 the devil is the problem. And so you know what they decided to do? They decided to move away. True story. Built monastery away from the world, away from the temptations that we all face. And they said, we're going to be perfect. We're going to be pure. They call themselves monks. You know what happened? It did not work. It did not work. It's because of what the Bible says. It's not always the world. It's not always the devil. Have you ever asked yourself, man, what causes me to go in the wrong direction? Like, you know, like in your own mind, it's like, man, I chose bad instead of good. I mean, I wish it was easier. You know, have you ever asked yourself that? I mean, I wish I, wish I wouldn't, you know, fall for this one again. I mean, God, I know you're patient and all, but come on, it's been like a thousand times, you know, I'm still falling for the same stupidity. I can't, should have learned last time and the time before that. Have you ever asked yourself that question? Why do I worry again? I mean, he carried me through this the last time. I mean, it was much bigger than back then. Why do I have the same worries and the same struggles that, I, that I've always carried with me? I wish it was a little bit easier. Well, the Bible says, yeah, there is temptations from the world. There is a way. Um, and there is definitely a spirit that is at work in the world. God's definitely given for, for a period of time. He has some limited control. Okay, no doubt about it. Don't get me wrong. But it's not just the world, it's not just the, the devil. There's one last thing that actually leads us down a path of destruction. Look at it, verse 3. This is so good. All of us who lived among them at one time, this, this is pre-you giving your life to Christ, right? He's, he's giving them a story. This is like the Easter story. It's a story of your spiritual journey. All of us who lived among them at one time, Help me, help me read the underlying words, okay? Gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and, help me out, thoughts. When, number three, when we satisfy the desires of our sinful nature. It's self-destructive. It leads you down a path. And I, and I wanted to focus on those two words, cravings. And thoughts. Your cravings are your desires, your wants, your thoughts is more like your intellect, your selfish, you know, your self serving decisions. So, cravings have to do with your physical nature. I mean, like, I crave certain foods because that's the way God made me, right? That's the way He created me. Um, like, we have sexual cravings. That's also, side note, just real quick, 
Satan can't create anything. Only God creates. So what Satan will do is he'll take something that God made, something good, okay? So a craving in and of itself is not a bad thing, okay? But what he'll do is he'll take something that God created and he'll twist it, right? So, so he'll take your, a sexual desire that's supposed to be kept within marriage, right? For you to enjoy your, the intimacy. And what the enemy will do is he'll twist it and turn it into abuse and physical um, uh, uh, rape and, uh, and such things like that. Like you take food, something so simple, right? Food is not supposed to be a bad thing. It's something that God has given us so that we can be fed, so that we can have energy to work, so that we can enjoy. And then what does the enemy do? He'll twist it and turn it into an ugly, habitual sin, the sin of gluttony, where you're just having more than you should have. And so, so your cravings, he knows, so he's going to twist that in you, Right? good things that God's created he's put them in under just a certain boundary and then the enemy will just twist it and turn it so you get off track and then the second is your thoughts somebody gets a promotion at work you should have been the one to get it what does that do to your mindset right all of a sudden your energy and your productivity goes down and now you're not trusting anybody and now you you know like it's the enemy will twist things in your brain you know, your neighbor gets a new car, and he's showing it to you. He's not bragging. He's just showing you. He's happy. Like, look what I got. And you get bitter at God because, Lord, I've been tithing. I've been faithful. I've been doing my part. And look at me. My car won't even start. And look what you did for him. And he's a heathen, you know. And, you're, and that's your, it's the enemy plays games in your mind. Somebody says something. They didn't even mean to hurt you. You know, and you're bitter for years. Why? Because the enemy will twist what they said and will in- intensify it. What's the fix? What's the fix? When you do any of these things, you're led down a path of self-destruction. When you follow the ways of the world, when you give in to the temptations of the enemy, when you satisfy the desires of, of your sinful nature, what's the fix? Well, look in verse 4. We're done. Verse 4. I love how it says, but God, right? Like, those two words, but God. I love that. Pay attention to it. Verse 4. But God, or but because of his great love for us, God. (laughs) So it's a little bit of a, you know, I I like that too, right? So he puts it almost in parenthesis. Because of his great love for you, okay? But because of his great love for you, please don't miss it, okay? I know this is not like an inspiring message. Kind of, I know I'm kind of stepping on some toes. And I believe the Holy Spirit is convicting you on some things that you need to change and readjust and center yourself. But at the end of the story, I want to leave you with this. But because of His great love for us. Man, thank you, Lord. I could just stop there and go home and just... Who is rich in mercy. And that's a whole nother message. Woo! Made us alive in Christ or with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And I'm jumped into verse 8 because we're out of time. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God. What's the, what's the fix
fix is to receive the gift. Receive the gift of grace. Have you ever tried to love someone that doesn't receive love well? It's, for some of us, it's a little bit harder than others. The fix is to receive the gift of grace. To get off of the performance track. So I try to, you know, I try to do things so hopefully it's memorable and, and it can help you in your walk. And that's like, what's a good way to illustrate this? And so let, let's just say that I picked up um, a Visa $200 gift card. Have you ever seen one of these? You've seen one of these? Have you ever gotten one of these? No, me neither. <laughs> Nowadays, you can fill up about half a tank, a tank of gas with one of these. <laughs> Let, let's just say that I'm a super generous guy, okay? And I say, I'm, I want this to be memorable. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give someone a gift card to that at the end of the message because I, I just want him, to, I want him to remember the message. And let's just say that I'm going to ask for a volunteer, okay? Let's just say, let's just say, just, let's, hypothetical situation, okay? Don't get too excited. <laughs> let's just say that I, I pick someone from the crowd. You think anybody would volunteer? Yeah? Yeah. So all, all of a sudden, everybody's here, you know? Like, we're all engaged now. I said, let's say that I'm a generous guy. Don't let me fool you, Okay? And let's say that I give this $200 gift card to someone here in the room. What would be the worst thing that they could do to me? You say, well, maybe, maybe uh, the worst thing that they could do is they, um, they don't say thank you. And that, that would be bad, right? If I give you a gift card, $200 gift card, and you're like, oh, you know. And you don't, you're not grateful for the gift, right? That would be bad. I don't think it would be the worst thing. Some of you, you, you may say, man, the, the worst thing that could happen is if they lose it. Give somebody a gift card, and by the end of the day, they don't know where it is. That's pretty bad, right? Like, that would be bad. You lose a 200 But I don't think it would be the worst. I don't think it would be, like, right? Like, I've lost things before that are valuable, Somebody else say, the worst thing that they can do is that you go to give it to them and they reject it. They say, no. And I was like, that's not that bad of a thing, you know. That's $200 for me, you know. Not bad at all. You know what the worst thing that could happen? If I give you a gift card, $200 gift card, and you don't use it. You, you just waste it. And, and often that's how we live life. You know, God's giving you the gift of salvation, and, and you're you're wasting it. You're not using it. And, and maybe you're maybe you are a believer, and you're here, and you're living on a performance track. And God's giving you the gift of salvation, the gift of grace. But you try to bring in your own works, and you try to bring in your own doings. And trust me, don't don't get me wrong, okay? Because there's got, there's a balance, there's a tension in this. We're serving that community next week, okay? I'm challenging you to step up to the plate, okay? So I'm not, I'm not saying that we're going to be lazy and disengage and oh, God's going to do everything. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when you try to outdo God. I'm, trying, I'm talking about when you try to fix the things that are your control. There are some things that you have control over. There are some things that you have to say, God, it's yours. 
I'm doing my best, Lord, but it's yours. And so with heads bowed and eyes closed, I want to ask you a simple question. Simple question. I wonder, is anybody here today who would say, I'm not a believer, I still have questions, but a pastor, would you pray for me? I want to receive this gift of salvation. I'm, t- I'm tired of satisfying the desires of sinful nature and giving in to temptation. I think I know enough. And God, I just, pastor, I just, I just want to want to take a step in the right direction. I wonder, is anybody like that in this room who'd say, I want to... I want to receive Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. If you would, you just, just lift your hand. And you say, Pastor, would you pray for me? Is there anybody like that? I see your hand. Anyone else? Anyone else? Online? If that's you, would you just text the word Jesus? We'll, we'll get in touch with you. Just text the word Jesus through the number that you see on the screen. Anyone else in the room or online? We, don't, we want to just support you and love you, lead you. Second question, you're a believer. And you're living, on a, on a li- you're living a life on a performance track. How many of you would say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I want to receive his gift of grace. Every day, his, his, his mercies are new. You got you to do this daily. Anybody like that today? Say, Pastor, would you pray for me? Would you raise your hand all over the room? I see the hand, I see the hand, I see the hand all over. God, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy, Lord. Thank you that it's not all up to us. God, yeah, you, we, we, do, we should have a little bit of a will and determination and, and, and kind of be like the salmon and, you know, kind of follow your path, Lord. But at the end of the day, God, thank you for grace. Thank you for the gift. God, we receive it. We want to use it. God, and, and because of the love that you've shown to us, God, help us to not follow the ways of the world, not give in to temptation so easily, and not to satisfy the sinful desires of our nature. God, we love you and we thank you. I pray for those who raise their hand. God, I pray for them who are praying to you right now. Speak to them. God, strengthen them. Put people in front of them that will love them and pray for them and hold their ladder pray all these things in Jesus name. Amen. Let's all stand.